couple with two kids wanting to do something that highlights the power of friendship and what it means to be in the company of true friends. We're going to move our society away and out of the loneliness epidemic and into a friendlier, happier world. Welcome to Our Friendly World. Better, Stronger, Together. Once more onto the breach, Did you dear hear friends. That? It's, it beeped or close the wall up with our English debt. What are In you peace, saying? there's nothing so becomes a man as modest stillness and humility. Oh my God. But when the blasts of that war sexy, shine in his ears, did you, then imitate did you the study actions Shakespeare? of a tiger. Did you ever study Stiffen Shakespeare? Stiffen up the sinew, summon Can up answer the my blood. Question? Disguise <laughs> fair nature with hard-favored rage. Oh. My God. Okay. And no, I never studied Shakespeare. <laughs> you should have. <laughs> okay, I'm going to stop now. Today, I want to talk about the people in our lives that have affected us. Or it doesn't even have to be like a, a true blue friend. It could have been a random stranger that pops into your life that you're passing by on the sidewalk, but somehow they affected you. Right? Do you understand what I'm saying? I do, but shouldn't we tell them it's our friendly world with my cohort? Hi, everybody. Welcome to our friendly world. This is Fawn and my cohort. This is Matt. Hi. Hello. <laughs> so, a long time ago, a very long time ago, and I, I come from a, a band of friends that are very interesting, right? Like psychic very intuitive we would sit around as kids and prophesize about the world anyway a long time ago and I, and it was something that i thought about on my own but i never voiced it out loud and that's the wonderful thing about the group of friends i had every every thought that i had in secret in my own body in my own mind that i never said out loud Friends would uh, have the same thoughts and they would actually verbalize it out loud. And we would say, oh my God, what? No, that was my idea. Or like that, I was just thinking the same thing all my life. So one of the things one day that was said that I believed in ever since I can remember was every everything, everything, everybody is a contract every person that you pass by on the sidewalk was a meeting a destined meeting if you will like a it was it was contracted hey you and i are going to meet on the streets of nairobi at precisely eleven thirty-six a.m you're going to be wearing this i'm going to be wearing that this cobblestone will be the intersection point of us whatever do you know what i mean even if it lasts for two seconds that was a destined meeting you're quiet do you understand what i'm saying i understand what you're saying but we're getting into free will versus and you're saying that everything is predestined and you see i'm arrogant so i believe in free will 
I believe in free will, of course, too. But, but if we've already predestined all the meaning and the cobblestones and the everything, then but you can also, what choice do we have? Because we already you, made the choice at some other you can, juncture. You or have the, the choice cho- was made for us at a different can juncture. Can I talk? Mm, okay. Thank you. You also have the choice to change that. There are infinite possibilities. And those meetings are there. You can choose to delete that meeting and say, you know what, I'm not, I'm not going to make it. Do you know what I mean? It all it all factors. It all plays into it. Free will. Your it's like look. I can schedule a meeting with you on Tuesday morning, and then I can say, you know what? I'm busy. I'm gonna take this other meeting. I can't make it. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, but that the feels feels like a cop out. Listen to me. Can we just? Can you just be open to the idea? Just let it go. All right. Anything is possible. Anything. Anything is possible. Everything is possible. I'm going to go down the free will route. Listen, I'm going to go down the route of everything. Right. Everything is possible. So back to people. It's not just a friend that you've had forever that I want to talk about. It could be just a brief, brief uh, moment that has influenced you in your life. Right. Because of another person. I want that to be the focus of the show today. Actually, on many shows, because there's so many people that I've met and so many bizarre things that have happened, especially traveling, doing my photo shoots. I don't know why, but those were the times I completely was floored by the synchronicity. What What's the other word? Serendipity that comes in. The weird things that happen. The things that you're thinking of in your head and someone, some random stranger comes up to you and talks to you about that precise thing you were thinking of at that precise second. You know, you're quiet. You're just staring at me like you do when we fight. (laughs) 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 It makes me crazy. All right. Buckle up, folks. (laughs) I see you doodling. I don't know what you doodled over there. These are words. I feel like I'm at the psychologist's office and they doodle stuff i'm like (laughs) from what i said can you tell me about your mother (laughs) my name is monteo what's his name my name is nico montoya yeah (laughs) oh dear you killed my father prepare to die i didn't do it right saying that (laughs) i do not think you know what that means Am I not saying it right? I mess up every single quote from The Princess Bride, so it's totally not fair. <laughs> um, which I found out the last time I watched The Princess Bride, and I literally got every quote wrong. You did? Yes. Everything I say is completely wrong. So I think he says, I do not think you understand what that word means. But he doesn't say that. He says something very close to it, but it's not the same. But that's that's just it, right? Like, we could both be listening to the same conversation, but we'll hear different things based upon the baggage we've had as human beings, right? We hear things differently. That's true, but I fail to understand how that causes me to mangle movie quotes. Because you're you're recalling something from your own personal experience. Maybe. You, You hear certain things that touches you based upon your personal experience at that time. It's the same for photography. The same photographer could, I mean, two people can stand in the same exact spot, mm-hmm. be the same height, use the same lens, camera, everything. Right. You'll get something completely different. You will. The, you'll never get the same shot. 
Well, yeah, mine will be much taller. I said, if you're in the same position, you're making me nuts. Anyways, can we can we get to people, maybe? All right. Can I start? Feel free. Okay, I have I have a lot of people. <gasps> well, pick one. Is it because I'm old now? Am I old? <laughs> you're as old as you feel. We're not an age. We're an energy. Okay. I know. I've been having lately lately trouble with that. <laughs> Always be learning. I know. Okay. So a long time ago, I lived in Seattle. The first time I lived in Seattle. And I can't tell you, like, I don't remember exactly how we became friends, but we did. Um, I moved to Seattle. I was feeling really sad. I was young. So I was experiencing heartache, you know, coming out of a bad relationship, moved to a new city, started all over again, but everything seemed sad to me. Well, Seattle with this constant rain can First seem that all, way. First of all, that makes me happy. I, I love know. it when it rains. Oh my God. When the clouds come in, I have so much more energy. I love it. Oh my God. It makes me want to dance. I, I want to go out in the street and go, yippee, everybody look. Okay, all right, rewind. All right. We're in Seattle. We're sad. Okay, so we're sad. <laughs> so what had happened was I became friends with this group of guys. The leader of this guy, anyway, he was known as Subculture Joe. He, so somehow we became friends and I was allowed into their circle. No one knew who they were. They were only known as Subculture Joe. They were always on the news because um, they would, so they would, okay, first of all, they were uh, by trade. They worked with metal. They were like, um, what do you call it? When people work with metal, they... Metal workers? Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Sorry. But like industrial, like metal workers. Typically, right? a metal worker is going to be fairly industrial. I mean, they were not... Otherwise, they're a blacksmith. They were not like putting together little bits of jewelry. They would Or jewelsmiths or... They were like big iron workers. Like they were a huge industry, the face shield over your head, sparks flying kind of guys, Right. Right. What they would do was in the middle of the night, they would put up these huge installations in the city and every single one of them was totally profound. For example, if you've ever been to Seattle and been to the Museum of Modern Art, you'll see the Hammering Man. Do you remember that, honey? Yes. So the Hammering Man, it's a, how many stories would you say that guy was? Like four stories high? Okay. Do you think, am I estimating right? So there's this, uh, is it iron? It's a metal structure and it's moving and it's a man constantly hammering and it's about four stories high. It's quite striking, right? So one night this happened, but in the morning when the city woke up, the news, everybody turned into what happened to the hammering man. And some strange people came up and put a ball and chain in proportion to the hammering man. A right. ball and chain attached it to his ankle. Right. So they would make statements like that. So that was in honor of the working man and feeling shackled in our society. They were so, all their messages were so profound and quite beautiful and so for the underdog. Mm-hmm. 
So, like, another time, and some of them would be funny to me, like, for Easter. Um, remember that hill in Seattle where, I forgot, Gasworks Park, I think it was called? Well, I never went to Gasworks Park. I think we did. It was where people would fly kites. It's There's, a, like, a hill, and it overlooks. It's kind of industrial-looking, but it's a hill, and people picnic there, or they used to. We haven't been there in a long time. And... It, it was beautiful, and people would fly kites, you know, or lounge around, luxuriate. <laughs> anyway, so for Easter one year, they put this humongous metal egg, must have been like five stories high, on top of this hill. <laughs> I'm glad it didn't roll down. No, it was always safe. Like, these guys were pros. But anyway, somehow... and. There's so much about my life that I can't remember. Like, I don't remember how we became friends. But I remember being in their lair, in their studio. (laughs) They had me held captive in their lair. I don't know. Like, I did my own, uh, what what do you call it? Investigative reporting. Oh, dear. And I tracked them down, Mm -hmm. like, all by myself. And next thing I know, I'm in their warehouse where they did all this work. Mm Mm-hmm. And the leader, Subculture Joe, was this tall, very thin young man with dark hair and just piercing eyes. And I took pictures of him and I took pictures of the crew too, like as a portrait. Like I just I just knew these guys were important. Mm-hmm. Everybody's important. But they were definitely affecting me somehow. And I gotta say, because I was heartbroken, like getting this back to like how I was feeling sad and maybe the reason why I felt drawn to them and wanting to know more about them was because I was so sad and it was Valentine's Day it was my first year in Seattle and I saw on the news they had constructed this hollow heart made out of metal of course two stories high and they had a sledgehammer and they had people, um, I guess they had written a note saying, whoever has broken, whoever or whatever has broken your heart, heart, you can take the sledgehammer and beat it. But first write the name of who or what it was mm-hmm. that hurt you. Gotcha. Or is hurting you. People were lined up for blocks beating the heck out of this hollow heart and crying it makes me cry thinking about it but it was on the news that's what that's i think one of the first times i heard about these guys and the news the news um people they were interviewing certain people and asking well what what did you beat it for and people would name random people that hurt them right i remember this one guy I wrote cancer. It was just, um, I just realized I wasn't the only one, that there's so much pain and everybody's going through it. Right. You never know the burden someone else is carrying. Definitely true. You know, you always think you're just alone in it by yourself, but you're really not. So I was really touched by what Subculture Joe was doing. It was such a healing for um, that city. Right. It really touched me that it was such a selfless, caring thing to do. 
and yet the police would always go and arrest them because it was illegal to do to just put stuff up like that and so anyway i wanted to talk about subculture joe and the beautiful heart that he had and i say had because remember when we moved away from well i moved away from seattle and i always wanted to go back and i went back and then i was pulled away and i went back and you and i got married and moved to that area right and remember i i wanted to look him up again and then i found out that he had died and i read some articles and the articles i read were basically the police just arrested him one too many times and the last time they really um i don't know what happened but he was never the same and he died i don't know if he committed suicide or i don't know what happened um but anyway i wanted to talk about subculture joe and the beautiful human being that he was and so that's one person that i met in my past the relationship like wasn't a long lasting best friends forever kind of a deal where we talked right. all the time right but subculture joe to this day affects me and whispers to me in my daily daily work i always think about how he touched people regardless of the kind of trouble he got into but he was so bold and so brave and so creative and funny and tragic but so funny um so subculture joe is mine how about you see you bust down with something huge like that and then i talk about something much more no it's all huge. i guess intimate and personal it's all huge um you know i don't talk about movements and news reports and people lined up for blocks you know how i do i know but i feel i feel now like thoroughly overshadowed no that's that's basically saying that someone is more important than the other and that's not true everything is big anyway and we know that the little things that are overlooked are the biggest there is that so yeah so i want to talk about uh uh one of my really good friends from high school uh and that would be my friend dave can you speak closer to the mic can i speak closer to the mic Anyways, um, so Dave was this wacky guy who um, liked to wear different colored shoes in high school. Who, um, Like at the same time? Yeah. Yeah, he had, it was like, it was a bright red Chuck Taylor and a turquoise Chuck Taylor. I didn't know he did that. And he would mix them. And this being high school, of course, I had to mock him. Um, but he wore it very graciously, generously. Were you friends when you mocked him? or Yeah, I was totally friends. Okay. We were totally friends, but we weren't at the same time. Were you just starting to get to know each other? Well, I was, I, I ran my little group and it was just, it was, high, it was, it was BS high school. <laughs> um, BS for bowl. Anyways. Yeah, we know what that um, means. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, I tease the people I love and they know that, but back then it was a little more edgy, let's say. Um, a little testosterone and what Dave showed me was to be generous in spirit to be always kind because I wasn't always kind and he always was and you know Dave phenomenally strong I bet you he could have kicked my butt at any point but of course 
the blustery Matt wouldn't have said that back when he was 16 or 17. But to me, that was very important because he really kind of gave me my first instructions as far as how to be a friend and how to be there because he was there for me on a couple of occasions where I, 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 and of course now, now we're talking bullshit college stuff, but I needed somebody in my corner and he was always there. And, and that's one of the lessons I bring forward in my friendships and understanding that if, uh, and understanding and making sure that the other person knows that if they need me, that I would be there and I'm in their corner regardless. Um, yeah. So see, blissfully short, blissfully sweet, blissfully personal, but Dave was always Dave. He was never affected he never changed to please. He never changed to suit. He was always Dave. Yeah, I miss Dave. <laughs> Anyways, so that's mine. I know Dave is out there. Ping pong. Oh, it's my turn. See, now I'm not ready. Let's see. I have so many though. All right, I'll go with I'll go with a really tiny one. Oh, go for it. So, um, yeah, I I've done I've done many things. One of the things I've done is I were actually worked for the YMCA and. Uh, summer one summer i was a uh, i was a cit a counselor in training um and uh i was 15 god help us uh and i went to a camp i went up to summer camp for a week no big deal except the counselor i was supposed to be working uh for learning from he took sick and so they gave me his his cabin and so all of a sudden cit matt became counselor matt i'm 15 i don't have a clue these kids are like 10 to 12 are you serious so of course i'm 15 so i'm blustery and i'm like mr arrogant and i can do this and all the rest of it but there was one guy um one of the the camp directors his name was tom cram he had a son wesley he had a wife gwen and i remember these things and i forget everybody's name by the way but i remember his name because he was like a I don't know, let's call him a hippie-ish dude. He played guitar, but he was, he was a mucket. He was, he was like the highest muckety-muck at the YMCA that uh, I went up to camp with. Anyways, and at one point, uh, he called me in his cabin, and we were talking, and he was like, you're doing okay, Matt. And that immediately just, whoosh, when somebody you respect tells you you're doing a good, you're doing a good job, it means everything. So what I learned from him is that anytime I can pay a compliment to anyone, particularly in a work environment, and this very much translates into a work environment for me, um, I do. So I just start a new job, blah, blah, blah. The QA guy is doing a good job. I told his boss I thought he was doing a good job. And then I told him that I told his boss that he was doing a good job. Guess who's getting closer to his QA guy? People like, people like to be complimented. They also like to know that you're publicly complimenting them. So what I learned from Tom is what a burden feels like can be lifted if somebody tells you you're doing a good job. And then I, of course, extended that. And so that was, uh, that was very powerful for me personally. But all my, all my stuff is very personal. They're very love that. tight in. That's the way it should be. But that's why I remember his name. And that's why I so, and I remember his whole family and I remember everything because 
at that moment in time, you know, you're 15, you're figuring, you're, you're just starting to realize that you have stuff to figure out as far as where you fit, where you don't fit, um, where you, where you're going. Um, and it's important. It was a very, very, very important for me to hear somebody say, you're doing all right. Cause that let me know that I would figure it out. And now back to the studio. You know, I was going to tell you another story like that was going to be light and lovely. But because of your share right now, I'm going to go tell you a story that I didn't. I really didn't want to talk about this because it's hard for me. But basically. Cue the waterworks, folks. (laughs) Sorry, it already started. But it's. (laughs) This one's not funny. This one's not funny. Okay. Serious face. Okay, so based on your share, I had to change my share because I feel like even though I don't want to share this, I have to. But totally based on what you just said, acknowledging someone. So um, the kids were four and six. We had just moved to Colorado. I was at the grocery store. And um I had the kids with me walking. We were going through the parking lot. I was always very careful to make sure that they were right with me, that they didn't dart out into traffic. You know, the parking lot was very close to, although we didn't shop at Whole Foods, it was, it's, for everybody out there, it's called Vitamin Cottage. I love this store. They have branches everywhere. They, everything. Also called Natural Grocers. Natural Grocers. But everything is organic. You don't have to worry about anything. Uh, produce, all organic. Yeah. They have non-organic stuff in the store. Well, maybe like some cleaning supplies aren't organic, but <sighs> they're still plant-based, most of them. Anyway, can you stop disagreeing with everything I'm, I'm I say? I'm not disagreeing. I just, want to, I just want to be accurate, precise. You know me, precision. All right. All their produce is 100% organic. All right. Can I just get back to my story? Please. So anyway, I don't, I love this store. But that particular store at that time was very close to Whole Foods. And people are crazy at Whole Foods. The customer there, very aggressive. So it was extra, extra careful to make sure that the girls knew they have to stand right next to me when we're walking through the parking lot and I'm carrying a huge amount of groceries to the car. So I don't know what we were doing. I think we were singing and I was just mess. We were just messing around having fun. But at the same time, I was like, all right, stick with me, kids, come on. And when we got to the car, when we got to the trunk and I opened the trunk to put the groceries in and the kids were still by my hip, this strange woman, like a stranger, not that she was strange, but this woman came up to me she got very close she felt very loving and she said i have to tell you something i want you to know what a great mom you are and i just stared at her and i said i don't know i didn't take the compliment but i said yeah i can yell sometimes though i sometimes i lose my temper so i don't know she said and she said Everybody does, but I want you to know. I want you to understand. I've been watching you in the parking lot. You are a great mom. So the reason why I'm crying 
is because it was shortly after that that you suddenly became sick and we were at the hospital i was at the hospital with you and i had to leave the girls with total strangers and that was when we learned that i learned that like the people that i thought were our friends like they all disappeared never heard from them again so it was a hard time and for those two weeks i was in the hospital with you and away from the girls by the time i came home the stress for all of us was so huge that this i remember this one day there was a blow up um the kids started to have tantrums and then i had a tantrum and so we were we were just the three of us were just yelling and I said, okay, well, let's just go to to the backyardish area and get some air. But we were still yelling. And it was just releasing some stress. It wasn't anything. And our stupid neighbors, those nosy neighbors who never offered help when they saw the ambulance come that day, they just looked through their windows. And then three weeks later, they were like, hey, what happened? I'm like, oh, you saw? Like they they wouldn't they couldn't offer any help. They saw me alone with the kids. They saw you being taken away. They saw how distraught we were. But they just watched like they were watching a movie. Anyway, that one day where we had the tantrum, you were at work. Um, they called the police on us. And the police came because they heard yelling, like we were just yelling. Nothing serious. It was just like just stupid shit right and the nice thing is the police within 30 seconds knew that this was a bullshit call and they looked at me and they said you know don't worry about it everybody has a bad day and they left but that scarred me forever to this day if there's a knock on our door i freak out because i go back to the knock with the police there but going back to but I always remember right before all this happened that random stranger in the parking lot before all this happened it was like a what do you call it a foreshadowing or a fore sunshining as she came up to me and was so important for right. her to tell me you are a good mom right. you're a great mom like she kept repeating that to me mm -hmm. as if it was like some angel making sure that she knew that I knew that. Am I making any sense? No, you're totally making sense, but a mm, lot going on in that story for sure. I'm sorry. Not unlike subculture Joe. And again, I've got nothing but pithy stuff to go through here. Oh, so. stop. Your stuff is not pithy. Is that the word? Pithy is a word. Pithy. Pithy. Not pity. No, pithy. <laughs> And by the way, I love to use words incorrectly, so any eagle-eared viewers who want to look up the definition, I believe it means small, but it probably means something very different. By the way, friends, out there, our honeymoon, the first fight Matt and I ever had was over Scrabble. Oh. He used a two-letter word. Yes, I did. And I thought he was making it up, and we got into a fight. It was in the dictionary, folks. The word was mew. <laughs> mew. M-U. It's, al it's, it's almost like a cat would say, right? <laughs> mew, mew, mew. 
but cats say meow or or M E W is more of a cat sound. But mew, mew's a word. It's that a Greek day, letter. I went meow. She went. <laughs> but anyways, <clears throat> so do you have more to say? Um, just again, you you know, it's interesting. A profound effect can happen in a split second. Truth. So that's me. I needed. I needed that woman at that particular time before shit went down to tell me that I was a great mother. Right. And that stays with me. That's it. Okay. So now I'll get back to my pithy. <laughs> so freshman in college, 17, because I've always been young for my grade, if you will. So I turned 18 in November uh, of my freshman year of this before that happened. Anyways, I lived in an apartment on campus, very liberal school, by the way, um, with six other guys. And we were all spread out. There was two doubles and three singles or four singles. Doesn't matter. Um, no, three singles. Um, and anyways, so, and I, I lived with people who had been there for, for, for longer. I lived with first year students. So we were all over the place, but we were the party apartment. <clears throat> By the way, if you're going to college and you write, when they ask you, you know, your personality and what kind of people you live with, for God's sake, don't say, and this is almost, if not a direct quote, I enjoy listening to music at very, at punishing volumes, I believe is what I said. But you said this in your I said this, application? No, no, so not my application to school. This is where they just try to match you with people. Oh my God. So I wrote that because <laughs> I was in class, all the classes I was in, like, I would hang out with my friends and then I'd go to class and none of my friends were in the classes because everybody in the classes was just, a, I don't know, a gr let's call them a grind. Uh, somebody who just, you know, they grind it out, they get the good grade, they do their homework, they're nice people, they're good to their moms, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I just assumed everybody in college would be like that and not like me because I was such an outlier. I was like the only guy with long hair who listened to well I wasn't the only guy who listened to metal music but I was the only guy who looked like I listened to the music I listened to etc etc and so I wrote that they put me in the party apartment uh, everybody but me smoked pot etc etc but anyways everybody in the apartment idolized this one guy and remember how I told you about Tom Cram and and I had all the names well this guy's name was Chief that's what they called him Long red hair, palest guy I'd ever seen, muscular, tall, athletic, everybody in my apartment idolized him. And of course, I was no exception because I was just, you know, part of the apartment. Anyways, he's like, hey, Matt, you want to go for a run in the backwoods? And I was like, well, I never go running, but it was chief. So of course I said yes. So we went for a run and, you know, I was feeble. I kept up with him because I was at least not entirely feeble. Did you even have running shoes? What did you run in? Because you always wore Vans. Back then, <laughs> you, you wore sneakers. Oh so I, I, I probably slipped on my Vans. I probably didn't even have lace-up Vans, but I might have. <laughs> I might have gotten more mature Vans for college. God help us. Anyways, we went for a run. He was wearing shorts. He had a sweatband. I mean, the whole bit. And I was just behind him in a t-shirt and jeans probably because, well, rock on. We were out in the middle of the woods because half of the campus was woods. Um, 
and he stopped and i'm like because <gasps> of course of all, i'm tired i'm sorry can we just describe how you looked you're like a heavy metal guy long hair ripped jeans like a total stereotypical I, heavy metal guy i probably didn't have ripped jeans because it was the beginning of school year but yes <laughs> and i probably had fairly new shoes too because once again beginning of school year but yeah uh but like you know all my heavy metal t-shirts most of them anyways were baseball jersey type ones and yeah very very heavy metal and i was very heavy metal so that look doesn't to me equate to oh let's go jogging but he had his hair was longer than mine it's not about the hair it's just the whole vibe i know Your vibe. i know i know <laughs> but anyways so we're out in the middle of the woods and we stop and i'm probably catching my breath and he's probably inwardly at least a little bit chuckling but then he says to me matt i envy your sash <laughs> and that's exact quote. say it again sash 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 see slang that was our slang and sesh? it's sash sash is slang for session which is slang for life wow so chief this guy everybody admired was like i envy your sash i i envy your session and and you know what once again i mean because we're, we're talking about a mentor or, you know, as it was, uh, I don't think he was necessarily a particularly stellar one, but he was, he was a guy, he was a man's man. Everybody was like, yeah, he's, he's the man. When he stopped by, everything stopped in our little apartment and everybody wanted to like, you know, talk to him, be close to him. And he said that to me and I was like, the hell you do. But again, lasting impact. Cause I remember it now. It's it's important, um, and it can be very important, particularly when you see somebody who's like super looking up to you. If they've got good stuff going on, acknowledge, recognize, let them know. You know, it's it's a friendship, and I really wish maybe we had become friends, but I wasn't capable. I I think of being friends with someone like him at that point, um, because um, I've had every single hero in my life has had feet of clay. But um, I was definitely you, caught in that hero worship kind of phase. Can you explain again the feet of clay? Oh, yes. My wife, I had to explain feet of clay to her. And this is not my saying, but every single... It's a he, religious saying, though, right? Uh, is it? I don't know. Um, I don't know the entomology of it. Etymology being <laughs> the, I believe, being the uh, history of a word. Um, but anyways... Um, but basically every single person I think that I have venerated, that I've really looked up to, with the exception of Tom Cram, you rock, dude. Feet of clay, just fallen over. Just there's certain aspects of them that just aren't where they need to be. As a matter of fact, I'm heartbroken. I found out that like my, my favorite, my hero lead singer <sighs> broke my heart. He broke my heart. So he's married for 30 years, same woman, rock on. No, he's, he's shacked up with a groupie in Paris right now. God, that upsets me. At least that's the rumor. Um, I'm not going to necessarily call him out, but damn, dude, why? But anyways. Does that mean you never want to have a Guinness with him ever again? Like if you had the opportunity to? Wasn't that one of your things? Like if we were ever in his neck of the woods and you did get a chance to meet him that would be so great uh, if you could do that i don't want to meet him now are you be serious all because serious. he divorced his wife no he hasn't divorced that, her he, yet. he he cheated on his wife he's shacked up with this random girl i love it, that it, about you it breaks my heart i love that about it you. it just breaks my heart 
you know, because you want to hold on to, you want to hold on to your heroes and you want to have someone to emulate, you know, and, and it's hard. So anyways, um, but yeah, all the, all the heroes I have had, have had, uh, um, Can I just feet interject? of clay and they've all fallen over for me because it's so hard to be perfect, I suppose. And I suppose that's what we demand out of our heroes. Well, would it be different for you if you found out that their imperfections were called on by themselves? Because everybody is human. What would it take for you to not be so um, disgusted in people? I wouldn't say. See, that's just it. I can't find the right word. I was going to disdain, to have disdain for. Or what, what would the word be that you feel about this guy now? Well disappointed i just feel i just feel let down because right. you know i i saw him as a heroic altogether together person and and that is something i personally strive for and but it's so, impossible honey to be perfect all the time well it's no and i i'm sure when he poops it smells oh and i'm God. sure that uh you know etc cetera, etc cetera. but this was a biggie for me you know what and was a biggie for you the the fact he cheated on his wife right you know, that's, or rather he, he left his wife. That's, that's kind of a biggie, not kind of, that's a biggie to me. But you don't know the circumstances. You're right. I don't, but on some level, I don't care. But do you feel like, is there anyone that is, you know, that you look up to that you find out is not perfect in this one area? Is there anything that they can do with their imperfection that would make you have respect for them despite the imperfection it's hard because i don't think there's anyone but living that would be that way but we're talking about heroes right yeah versus friends no i know know? i know heroes doesn't matter friends the same Mm, thing it's to me it's not it's not the same thing my friends i have tons of imperfections just ask my wife um and my friends probably have tons of imperfections too you know um I'm I'm certainly a lot more forgiving of friends. So I'm extremely you, forgiving. I stand by I stand by friends no matter what. So is it because you're not friends with him that you don't allow the imperfection? What it's because you, I elevated him. Yeah. I put him on the pedestal. So which and, leads me to And he presented himself in a certain way and now he is But he only has that. a finite amount to represent himself. It's not like he can tell you his entire all-encompassing self in whatever media he gets exposed to. Well, I don't know. He's written, he's written at least three books. Okay. I get it. But hero, Heroes is a whole different thing. And, and it's, it's, it's a hard thing, I think, to be someone's hero, to be someone's mentor, to be someone's... Because I feel like the people that I've mentored can't show them my whole self because I suffer like everyone everyone I think suffers from imposter syndrome unless they're a megalomaniac arrogant like self-centered narcissistic narcissistic that's a good word (laughs) um narcissist um but uh uh, yeah so when I so when I am mentoring someone I can't I cannot show them the whole me because I have tons of flaws and I don't want to focus on those because in the case of let's talk martial arts, which we have, you know, I want my sensei to be a good sensei on the mat, 
and I don't want to know about his personal life. I don't want to hear about his, you know, because I'm, I'm going to try and emulate this person when I'm on the mat, and I'm going to try and take these lessons off of the mat. Uh, and for somebody to say, yes, here's the perfect way to do this. Oh, yeah, and by the way, I, you know, I do terrible things to da-da-da-da. You know, it's like doesn't help me with what I what I personally want to focus on. So heroes to me are very different than friends. But you know what? It, th- so that's, so we have a list of topics we want to talk about on other shows. Um, our, an, one show we have coming up is Mentors and how that's changed over history and over time. And certainly in the time of our lives so far, right? The mentors we've had are basically the issue being the mentors we have not had. Feet of clay, baby. Feet, Feet of, of clay. clay. But like, this is another show, but like also talking about generations and elders and how they're not respected anymore. Truth. You know, we, we can't look up to them. And really the reason is because so much is changing so fast. That's never been at this rate before that the elders don't have the answers to pass on to the younger generation. So everybody's kind of winging it. And so we have to realize that. And that'll take the sting and the pain away from not having a mentor, which has been our thing, like my thing and your thing, honey, right? That we've always looked for mentors and there's never been anyone there to help guide us. We've had to figure shit out on our own, right? But that's, that's another show. Right. No, no, no. Absolutely. So let's get back to people who've affected us, darling. Yeah. Okay. So I'm looking at the time and I do have to go to the bathroom soon, but can I, do you mind, do you have, can we, can we do a few shows on this? Because there's so many people I want to talk about. Oh my about. God. I'm, 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 it's, it's not that I'm out. I'm, I'm sure by any means, but the ones that leap out to me, I've only got one more. Do you want to do one more? Um, we'll see as how mine are much more succinct than yours. Okay. Go ahead. Um, Okay. And this is this is just a random. I, but I want to wrap up with one. Of course, can I she do does. the wrap up? You can do the wrap up. Okay. Um, and this one is this one's like this one's just weird. This one's just plain weird. And this goes into it. the synchronicity in my life. So, what anyways. Is it? <laughs> uh, so another one of my friends, Vince. He was away all summer. He came back. We went to go see a concert. We went to Irvine Meadows in SoCal. Um, and it was, let's ignore the name of the band because it's not a band anybody knows anymore. But we were very excited. So we got dropped off far away because we we're not going to pay for parking. And I think, I think I was, no, I think we drove, but we parked in this random spot so we didn't have to pay for parking. Went walking down this dusty road which was weird, but it was a, literally, it was a, it was a, it was, was a road dusty that had, road in had, LA. had fields on both sides. And this is Irvine anyways. Um, and we're walking to the concert. We're all dressed up in our heavy metal gear and we're feeling like badasses and all the rest of that stupid stuff. Anyways, <laughs> car pulls over and, and this woman was in the car and she's like, Hey, 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 come here, come here, come here. And it was like, it, it looked like anybody's mom. Right. Oh, right. And we're like, huh? And so we lean over and she's like, hey, do you want tickets to the show? And I was like, uh, we have tickets. She's like, these are really good tickets. And we're like, oh, yeah, but, but we don't have it. And she's like, no, 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 you can have them. She gave us two tickets. It was 24th row and we were in the nosebleeds. 
we're like, oh my God, thank you. And we took him and the ticket looked a little weird because it was actually an Irvine Meadow ticket. It was probably a season ticket or who knows. Anyways, um, and we're like, oh my God, we have great seats. Woo woo. High fives, all the rest of it. So we're walking, walking to the show. And now we're walking with a little more light in our step as if it could get much lighter because we were going to a concert, but now we had great tickets. Um, four tickets. Well, we had, we had our two, we had our original two and now we had two more. Um, and we're like, oh my God, well, what, what should she do? We didn't even think about what we should do with these tickets. Anyway, so we're walking to the show and we walk up to these other two people and they're like, yeah, hey, I look forward to the show. And they're like, yeah, we're totally going to sneak in because we don't have tickets. And, and I looked at, I looked at Vince, Vince looked at me and we're like, and we gave them our original tickets. Karma. And we did that and we felt good about it. I talked with another one of my friends. This was an earlier friend and we were still kind of acquaintances. And he's like, why didn't you sell it to him? Didn't even cross my mind at the time. And then we tried to make sense of it because we used to do what we call philosophizing. And I swear that was before I heard that term anywhere else, but probably not. Uh, We were philosophizing as we were probably cutting school uh, and trying to figure out why, why we did that the whole chain of events. I mean, great show. We were super close. We kept these other two people from trying to sneak in. And we started thinking about, well, why? And we're like, well, okay, so why do we get the tickets? Hmm. And then why do we give away? Why did did somebody present themselves for us to give the tickets to? And the conclusion I came to, because of course, you know, I'm arrogant, so I have to have all the answers, we decided that, that the woman we ran into was like those two kids' guardian angel. And they, she didn't want to affect them directly. Right. But she didn't want them to get in trouble. Right. And so it's almost like she knew if she gave the tickets to us that we would find a good place to give, not necessarily those tickets because those were good seats, but to give our tickets away too. Right. Which is why that happened. Right. So... We affected, we kind of, in a transitive way. Ripple effect. We affected their lives. Because who knows, if they had gotten caught, their parents might have had to come, they would have gotten in right. trouble. And if it was a third strike situation, or, 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 or. Right. So that was a case of where I just kind of, me and my buddy Vince, we just kind of transitively, transitorily affected someone else's life in a good way right so we were that we were at the instrument of that change beautiful yeah all right take us home baby so taking it home so by the way pinky pinky promise i want to do more of this because there's so many people to talk about Uh-oh. and i want to bring in some of our friends and have them talk about the random acts of friendship okay so my wrap up for today. So I was on a photo shoot in India and. Oh, I was just in a photo shoot in India. But you know what? Everybody and their great grandmother now is a photographer. So it's like, whatever. Everybody's doing it now. <laughs> but back then, so I was a corporate photographer and um, we, the, the, the guru, the teacher of the owner of the company I worked for was major Swami Rama, right? He's very powerful. He was very, very powerful. 
and we had a chance to actually be in the foothills of the Himalayas where he practiced years of silence. So there was a temple there and his place where he would go for years of silence. And there, and it was just very, very, no one knows where this is. No one knows the location. And so I had, like, it was an unbelievable, unbelievable gift that I was there. Um, staying at his place. The only person that looked after Swami Rama was this other Swami who made sure that he had food and water just delivered to him, right? And he was older, a lot older, and it was way up there. It was it was hard for me to breathe, and you know I always also had a lot of equipment on me. Not that that's the excuse, because the excuse was like I'm always slower than everybody else with my short little legs, and um, it's hard for me to keep up. And I know, I know, you keep staring at the time. I'm almost no, done. no, no. I'm not staring. Sorry, babe. What are you looking at? No, no, no. I'm just. I'm just being super lame and, and Are you looking, looking at, at all the connections and all the everything else. All right. I'm sorry, I'll stop. So, I'll totally stop yeah, my you're bed. distracting me. So we have we have uh, assistant Swami who's who's calling the no, Ubers not and as, getting the food him. delivered. Don't and, call him that. He's a holy man. <laughs> he was amazing, holy, holy, amazing person. And that's who my story is about. So he would jog every morning, right? He was in tip-top shape. I don't know how old he was because, you know, we're not an age, we're an energy. And for sure, that's where that came from, that whole idea. Because on so many of my travels, I've met people that I thought were maybe in their late 20s or 30s. Come to find out they were like 89. I'm not kidding you. Like they looked. Enjoying your coffee, honey? I heard that. (laughs) Yes, thank you. (laughs) I heard it too. So like one day we were we were uh, doing this trek because we were documenting the herbs that grow there and I was photographing them because we were also working with Swami Rama and they they were building the Himalayan Institute there where they did a combination of Eastern and Western medicine at the same time like open heart surgery and Panchakarma right combining two sides <clears throat> and so I was photographing the herbs that grew there. And working with the Ayurvedic doctors that were traveling with us. And they were explaining stuff. And it was really hard for me to keep up. And I had to stop. And so the Swami comes back. He's like, oh, yes, I'm tired too. I'm like, you are? And I totally believed him. But he was just being nice, you know, to not make me feel bad. Because I was such a wimp. Anyway, this guy. um, Every day I said goodbye to him. I said, have a nice day. And he would get mad at me. Not mad because they didn't get mad at you. You know, they wouldn't get bothered by stuff. But every time he he corrected me. And to this day, this is why our kids, when we go out and they say, they'll never say have a nice day. It's because of the Swami who every time corrected me and said, don't ever tell anyone to have a nice day. Or a good day. You say, have a beautiful or a good every day. So now it's passed on to the next generation. Have a beautiful every day. That's the saying. Instead of saying, have a nice day. So like, to say have a nice day is kind of like, 
F you, man. Have one nice day. Bye. <laughs> Bye. I hate when people do that. Well, you see J.R.R. Tolkien, or at least Peter Jackson, covered this in Lord of the Rings. What? My Swami story? Well, yes, your Swami story, exactly. What? So, <laughs> So when Frodo says to Gandalf, have a nice day. Oh, no, it was Bilbo. Gandalf was like, what do you mean by that? Do you mean... I should have a nice day he or that us. it's a nice day if I want it to be or not or, 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 or. So it was already covered. And he did that in 1947. I don't care, man. This happened in the privacy of our own <laughs> private conversation in the foothills of the Himalayas. He was reading J.R.R. Tolkien. I don't Uh-oh. think she's going to get mad at me, getting, folks. I'm, I better be quiet. I feel hot. <laughs> so angry. <laughs> hot but not in that good way it doesn't matter the message is <laughs> sorry i'm cringing have a beautiful every day and don't wish someone just one day like don't confine them to the one day of happiness or goodness infinite it should be infinite okay boss with that we're at 54 minutes folks way too long yeah i hope you're still tuning in everybody Okay, we'll talk to you next time. Shoot. What? I so want to say have a nice day, but I'm not going to. Have a beautiful day. Because you're going to get in day. trouble. Yeah. So have a beautiful every day, folks. Yeah. Thank you for being with us. We love our friends. Okay. Bye. What are you pointing to? What do you want me to do? Hit the stop button. Okay. Okay. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. <laughs>